Hey, good morning. Welcome. Thank you for being part of Mariner's Church. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. <laughs> I'm Paul. I'm one of the pastors here. And, uh, you know, you just sometimes standing back there, we're singing that, that last song on, you know, how incredible God is. And, and you just kind of wonder, you know, I'm going to get up in a few minutes and talk about, you know, God's word and what he's revealed to us. And you just kind of, what am I doing? You know, who am I to be able to do something like this? But it's a privilege to be here with you. It's a privilege to, to be able to Talk about what God is and, and, and what he does. Hey, I hope you're able to come next week. Again, there's only one service. It's going to be the 915 service. Come at 8 o'clock. Um, we do really encourage you to bring friends. Um, they're going to probably ask you, well, what's church about? Next week we're going to talk about sex. Just tell them that. We're talking about sex. <laughs> and they'll come uh, um, for that. And uh, so believe it or not, we are. We're going to talk about that as we finish up the whole relationship series. Thanks. So, so we're going to be talking about that. So bring, bring some friends, have them free parking and, and best parking in town, and it's all that. So, so come and enjoy uh, the worship and then, and then the pumpkin festival. We've been talking about relationships. Relationships can be hard, can't they? I mean, they can be really, really tough. I mean, when they're going well, when things are going right, they're the best. I mean, they are the very best. In fact, life is just wonderful when relationships are going, are going great. And yet, on the other hand, once they kind of flip, uh, and they start going bad, life's terrible, you know. And, in fact, it can almost just flip like a dime. You know, bing, goes from this to this. You know, a couple statements, a couple, a couple emotions, all of a sudden things flow out. And that which was so good in the morning is just horrible by the afternoon. And you just think, why in the world am I even in this? And is there even a way out of this? And so what we want to do is we want to talk about relationships in God's word because he's the one who made them and he's the one who created them. I, fa- I found this. This is kind of cute. It's kids' responses to love and, and romance and marriage. They ask some kids a little bit about this kind of relationship stuff. And, <clears throat> and, and here's the first question they asked was, how can you tell if two people are in love? And Alan, age 10, said this. You might have to guess based on whether they're yelling at the same kids. <laughs> Lynette wisely, wisely said this, dates are for having fun and people should use them to get to know each other. Even boys have something to say if you listen long enough. <laughs> Ten-year-old shares this, no person really decides before they grow up who they're going to marry. God decides it all way before and you get to find out later who you're stuck with. <laughs> And then Kenny gives us the final word. It gives me a headache to think about that stuff. I'm just a kid. I don't need that kind of trouble. <laughs> and, you know, when you think about relationships, they can be kind of a, a, a trouble and a hassle because they're so intricate and so complicated and so complex and trying to figure out who you are, figure out who they are and how all this kind of stuff comes together. And, but it's a God thing, and we want to take a second and just ask him to guide us now in these moments. Would you pray with me, please? Father God, we have sung praise to you and talked about how a good father you are and talked about how wonderful you are. And um, now help us, help me um, use this time to solidify those relationships that are so important to you and in, in your work and to use this time for your glory in Jesus' name. Thank you. We, we, we've been in a series that we're calling what, what Women and Men Want and Really Need. In a relationship series, as we're talking about 
um, uh, males and females and all these kinds of things that, that come together. And, and there are a couple of things that I've hoped for and I've, and I've prayed for as we went into this and even throughout. First of all, that there would be some aha moments for you, some aha, wow, you know, that, that, that's it. And I hope you've gotten some aha moments from this and from God's word, you know, aha, you know, that's why I've been feeling the way I do. Or, you know, ah, ah, aha, that's why she responds that way. Or, aha, that's why I want to kill him all the time. You know, those kinds of things would begin to, to, to pop out. And the second thing that I've been praying for is that your marriage and your relationships would deepen and that you'd have everything that God intended you to have, absolutely everything that God intended you to have. Because, again, he designed it, he designed them, and he wants them to flourish. And, and it may be a while before we talk about these kinds of things again, and I want to spend some time today to kind of nail down the things that God asks us to do. And I hope you've seen that we've been able to kind of build and build and build. And if you haven't been here for the whole time, you, know, you might want to get some of the past podcasts or, or look at those again because we're building on, on these kinds of things. The Bible says that this whole thing called marriage was God's idea. It was not just made up by people that want to have control or authority. It was God's idea. In Genesis 2, way back at the beginning of the Bible, it says the two shall become one flesh. And that's God saying this. This is God pulling things together. And the one flesh principle is not just simply body to body. It's also spiritual, and it's also commitment, and it's relational, and it also maintains the physical. And God's equation that we've looked at is not one plus one equals two. It's not the way it works. It's one plus one equals what? It equals one. One plus one equals one. And that means in marriage you become one person. And that's why the whole idea of sex before marriage doesn't work. It does not work. And that's why the Bible speaks so strongly against it. Not because it's just, ooh, you know, shame on you, shame on you. It's because the whole sexual connection is to be, cannot hold the weight of, of a relationship when there's no commitment there. And marriage is a lifelong, forever commitment. And that's why it's hollow and shallow apart from the whole marriage thing that's going on. It just cannot bear the weight. Of, the, of that. Well, why did God do this whole thing called marriage anyway? I mean, why not just, you know, hook up and live together until you get bored and then find somebody else and hook up and live together until you get bored? Well, well why, why, why did God do it this way, this forever type thing? The Bible says the two become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. I'm talking about Christ and the church. Marriage is not a way to get a tax deduction, you know. It's not a way to have sex without guilt. It's a way to reveal to your neighbors and to your friends and to your relatives and family, see our marriage, see how we relate to each other, see how we talk to each other and respond and we work through the hardships and the struggles and the ups and the downs. This is the way Jesus loves the church. See it? Do you see it? Can you see it through us? And so this is a holy thing. And I do weddings, and, 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 and I actually love to do them. And I say, you know, as the couple comes forward, and I say, you know, we're gathered here in the presence of God and these witnesses. And usually the couple's so nervous, I could say, we're gathered in the presence of God and these aliens, and they wouldn't have any idea what I'm saying, you know, because they're all focused on each other. But the, the truth is, is God is there. God is at that moment. And God is in your living room as you sit. And God is in your kitchen as you talk. And God is in your bedroom as you watch TV, you know. God is together in those kinds of things. And when you come to a misunderstanding, God says this. 
Display my love of the church to the world. Here's your chance now. Display it. Y'all aren't getting along. I understand it. You come from different worlds, and now you've tried to make this thing work out, and it's really, really hard. So here's your chance now to display my love to the world as you do the sacrificial things that make a relationship actually work. God's word says male and female, he created them. And so we've been talking about the difference, and I hope you've had some fun with the difference between men and women. Are you tired of the boxes and the wires yet? You know, we talked about women are like wires and men are like boxes. And if you're getting tired of them, good. That means you're getting, you're really understanding it. And, of course, I categorize and I've generalized and I've stereotyped. But, but men's brains are kind of like boxes in which we kind of compartmentalize things. And so we're in one box or we're in another box or we're in another box, and the boxes don't usually touch. And women are oftentimes more characterized like wires. Everything touches. Everything's connected, you know, and there's a difference. And all of a sudden now the two shall become one. And it's kind of an uneasy mix, isn't it? I mean, it can be really, really challenging. Women are different than men. And men are different than women. And that would mean not only are our brains you know, put together differently, but, but our needs are different, very, very different. And now here's where God's word speaks authoritatively to us. And I believe that the Bible is divinely inspired by God. God gave it to us for us to understand his his will and his, and his workings, and he's putting it together. And God's bottom line for us in relationships, he says this, each man must love his wife. Okay, got it. Understand that that's a kind of a done no-brainer in marriage. I should love my wife. But the next time when he writes to the wives, and it's almost a curveball, and the wife must respect her husband. And you think, well, why not, why not love? It's because God knows that a man's primary deep core need is respect. He needs to have that, that respect. Women need love and men need respect. And maybe that was an aha for some of you. And I hope it was. And I hope you kind of said, wow, I didn't know that. And that's why, you know, what guys hate most is scolding. They just, they just hate it. Because all of a sudden they kind of hear their, their mother getting on their case, you know, when they were a little kid. And so what a guy will do is he will isolate and he will separate from his wife. He'll go in the garage, you know, and slam tools around. Or he'll go out and go for a drive or find something to do in the yard. He wants to separate, isolate. Whereas a woman needs connection. And all of a sudden now you have a problem beginning to form, you know. She needs the connection of him, but he now wants isolation. And so she does not feel loved because he didn't feel respected. And, and, and that's why... Guys don't handle the, you know, why don't you think? Or, or the passive-aggressive stuff sometimes that women do, you know, leaving his shoes in the hallway so he trips over them so he'll finally learn to put them away. You know, that kind of stuff just drives us nuts, you know? And guys have said to me, that's it. I never could put my finger on it. But that's what keeps me from wanting closeness with my wife. When she does those kinds of things, it just drives me Nuts. And so I don't want to be close to her when, when those kinds of things are happening. And, and, and I know I've been sometimes a little harder on the ladies here, women here, and I'm, and I'm not sorry because many of you have, have, women have said, I've never really heard this before. I never knew that. And, and, and a woman, on the other hand, will hate it when she's neglected and not treated as important. Just hate it. And it causes her now to show disrespect to her husband and to do the passive-aggressive things to try and get her, him to finally realize that she is important. And, men and many women are very lonely in their marriage. How could, how could she be lonely? Guys, it's because you're not showing love to her. You're not loving her. 
And we've seen that when love or respect is not happening, it triggers what we just call the crazy cycle. Crazy cycle is without love, she reacts without respect, and without respect, he reacts without love. And it just kind of becomes this crazy, stupid circle that makes marriage worse, and it just will spiral downhill. And I, and I guarantee, you know, your last fight, if you're married, your last fight was not about taking out the trash. It wasn't about that. I mean, that might have been the callus. I might have triggered the whole thing off. It was about someone did not feel loved. Or somebody did not feel respected. And the crazy cycle began to spin, and it's a perfect circle, and it goes nuts. You know, how do you break out of that? Well, if without love she reacts without respect, and I'm not getting respect, then guess what? I need to scroll back a little bit to understand at the point, at what point did she not feel love? You follow that? I need to scroll back in my life to realize if she's not treating with me with respect, then at some point in time, maybe it was this afternoon, or maybe it was last night, or maybe it's been for the past week, I was not showing her love. And that's why she's not showing or unable to show respect. And so you make it right. You break the crazy cycle. Someone has to make the first move. You know, we've, we've talked about that. Jesus would always say, you make the first move. You do it. Someone's got to. Someone's got to make the first move. And I, I would just simply say, it's always you. And we talked about the principle, you can't have your needs met by not meeting your partner's needs. Or positively, the only way to have your needs met is to meet your partner's needs. The only way you're going to ever have your needs met is to meet your partner's needs. And this is the two become one thing. The Bible says, he who loves his wife loves himself. And if I choose to start damaging her, who does it hurt? You know? If you choose to start damaging him, who does it hurt? If the two become one flesh and you're both one, and if you choose to hurt him or he chooses to, to hurt, hurt you, you know, who's it going to hurt? It's going to come back and hurt you. So, guys, it's in your best interest to love your wife. Women, it's in your best interest to respect your husband. And when you do it, you get on the energizing cycle, and it looks like this. With love, she responds with respect. And with respect, he responds with love. I mean, that's a perfect thing that's just kind of spinning up, and it's really good. And I want you to understand the truth based on, on all this stuff. There's tremendous healing in every marriage, tremendous. I mean, if God made it and God designed it and God put it all together, there's incredible healing potential in every marriage. And, you know, you've talked about how badly it can go, how quickly it can go from from pretty good to really bad, just slam, you know, it's like that coin flip. It goes the other way too. It can move from just really difficult circumstances to all of a sudden incredible love and healing and growth. And it doesn't take much. I'm amazed at marriage's ability to heal. It's really phenomenal. Why? It's because God is behind it and God designed it and God wants to display his love for the church for this. You know, you, you've heard that um, only 50% of marriages work out, only 50% of couples, you know, stay together. You've heard that number before, you know, and everyone's all cynical about marriage, you know, and, and they say that's even true in the church. It's not true in the church, at least maybe some churches it is. But for those couples that worship regularly together, I mean real worship, and pray together and take seriously God's command, 93% of the marriages make it. Okay? There's a difference in the way that God 
wants to work when we want to let God work within because God is behind it. And so how far is your marriage away from healing? It's, it's two words away. Love and respect. It's just two words away from this. And so God says we do it unconditionally and we do it sacrificially. You do it for her. You do it for him. You do it for you because you're one. You do it for God's testimony to people. And, and some of you are getting this, and I hope it's been working, and I hope you've been saying, oh, wow, this is, it's getting better. And that's all there is to it, right? So I could say, so let's all live how? Happily ever after, you know? Isn't that going to be great? We're just going to go out here and live happily ever after? Oh, we wish, don't we? You know, we wish it was that way. And maybe you've been here, but your spouse always stays home to watch football or sleeps in or plays tennis or reads the paper on Sundays. And they don't care anything about this stuff. They really don't. They think it's silly, and they think this faith thing is silly. And there will be times when your spouse just doesn't feel like respecting you or loving you. And there will be times when you just simply don't feel like respecting or loving. You know, there will be times when, when, when it's just you don't feel like it. It's just, it's just not there. I mean, we have to be realistic in the day-to-day world. We're tired people, you know. We got kids running around. We got school. We got things we have to commute to back and forth. And we got bills and we got all these kinds of things. And when do we have the time for all this kind of stuff? And then there are old patterns of dealing with control or old patterns of dealing with anger. And and you don't want to let go of them because they're really familiar to you. And that's the only way you know how to respond. And maybe that's the way you grew up in a family that was combative all the time and you have no idea how to respond when these kinds of situations get bad. Or maybe you're an adult child of an alcoholic, you know, and you're, you have no understanding of how to process and deal with the feelings that are, that are there. So, so, so what, what, do you, what do you do? And there are buttons that were wired when you were a little kid and they're now getting pushed all the time. Maybe you've moved towards him and learned his desire to protect and given him more shoulder-to-shoulder friendship and more intimacy. You've given him the respect and he's remained cold and unloving to you. You know? What do you do then? Or you've been close and understanding and open and built her up, but she still remains disrespectful to you. Still puts you down. You still feel unworthy or like a little kid at home. In both of these cases, the reality is the worst happened. It didn't work. It didn't work. In fact, sometimes your partner will leverage and use this stuff against you. You've now given them the upper hand when you've now shown respect, when there's no love. Or you've shown love when she's not giving you respect. She's now going to leverage this stuff against you. You may feel like this. Jesus said this. He said, your enemies will be right in your own household. Some of you feel that way, you know. The enemy is right in my own household. So how can I love her if she doesn't respect me? How can I do that? How can I keep that going? How can I respect him if he doesn't love me? How do I do that? How do I keep that going? That's a good question. Those are good questions. Because you may face that sometime, and some of you do face this. Here we go and understand, and this is the hard part of it. 
no matter how hard it is or how irritating my spouse might be, my response is always my responsibility. My response in these kinds of situations is always my responsibility. There's an interesting passage. It was Peter that, that, that wrote this out, and, and, and it's in the Word of God. It says this, live as free men. Now, that's true on so many different levels. That's true on so many different levels as far as freedom and free men. I'm free from legalistic rules. That's what he's talking about. I'm really honestly free from legalistic rules. I'm also free to follow God. I can, I can do that. I have the freedom to choose today to follow God, and, and I have the freedom to choose today to not follow God. I, I can live as, as free on that. God gives me that freedom. But I'm also free to not have to follow the crowd. That's true on that way. But also understand this, and here's where it works a third way. I, fourth way, I'm free to respond back to my spouse with love or respect regardless of how they're treating me. And this is important because this now comes to the area of sacrifice. I am free to respond back to my spouse with either love or respect regardless of how they're treating me. And this is really important because this is now moves you into more of the fulfillment mode of marriage. You have the freedom to move towards the person with love and respect. And when you love and respect unconditionally, you are now following God's will for you. And this creates the rewarded cycle. Rewarded cycle looks like this. Respect regardless of his love and love regardless of her respect. Ultimately, your partner has little to do with it, and this is the ultimate and unconditional. I can experience hurt but it's my choice to love and respect. I don't have to surrender to circumstance. I don't have to do that. God's word says, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you're working for who? Working for the Lord rather than for people. You're doing it for God. And, and how hard is this? It could be really major hard. I mean, it could be massive hard. You give and you give and you give and you see nothing in return. You've done that. Two words, I, I just simply want to give to you and to fill in the blank on this one. Not yet. You don't see anything yet. But you will. The Bible says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time. We will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. I remember this verse for a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. Nothing you ever do to your spouse is ever going to be wasted, Ever. And even if it doesn't come back to you as you love and respect, it's a testimony of what? Christ's love to the church, which is what marriage is about all along. Weddings are really cool things. Uh, and, and again, I've done a whole bunch of them. And, and, and I say we're gathered here in the presence of God and these witnesses, and they'll come down, you know, and they'll stand there and, 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 and he's here, and she's there, and she, she's got her arm in her dad's arm. And, and um, I will say, who gives this woman to be married to this man? You know, and he'll say, her mother and I do. And they take each other's arm, and they come up. But they're still not married at that point. And, and they come up, and we pray, and, you know, let's pray, and ask God, invite God into this time. And they're still not married at that point. And I tell the couple, this is a God thing. I mean, God is here, and, and, and we work through that. And... And they give their vows to God, to love, to honor, to cherish, for better, for worse. Richer, for poorer, sickness and health, you know, as long as we both shall live. They're still not married. They're not married. And then they give each other rings, and they're so uptight. 
that those rings don't fit, so they try and jam them on anyway, you know, and even though I told them don't because they're not going to fit, they still try, and, and, and they put the rings halfway on, and they're still not married. And I know this point is coming, um, and, I, and it always moves me that they're not married until this point. And sometimes I get, I get teary-eyed if you listen, sometimes my voice will break. They're not married until I say, by the authority vested in me by God, I now pronounce you husband and wife. Now they're married. Now they're married. The commitments they've made, everything, and the equation is complete. One plus one equals one. One plus one now equals one. A better one, a great one, one that now can display Christ's love to the church, to the world, and to family, and to friends. And then I say, what God has joined together, let what? Let nothing separate. Why? Because Christ's love to the church can never be separated. It never can be. It should never be. It will never be. That's why I would say, if this is what God wants marriage to be, let's make it that way. And how much does Jesus love the church? Well, he died for her. He gave himself up for his church. He did. He's willing. How far are you willing to go in this? Well, it seems to be the standard is death, sacrifice, giving. God gives us the power to do that. I want the worship team, please, would you guys come on up now? Some of you, some of you during the last few weeks maybe have made some decisions during this time, maybe decisions to act, to act differently, um, to be different, maybe, maybe to have hope. Early on in my ministry, gosh, I was probably here three weeks, a couple came in, one guy came in, and he said, I didn't know him. He just said, I want out of my marriage. I want out. I'm done. I don't like it. I don't want to be part of this anymore. And we talked, and I spent time together, you know, and tears together, and it, it came down to just simply me asking him two questions. I was young. I didn't know what I was doing, so I just simply said, um, how much do you want this marriage to work out? That's question number one. How much do you want this to work out? How much? Second question I'm going to ask you is, how hard are you willing to work to make it happen? And he said, he said, whoa, those are really hard questions. I don't know how hard I'm willing to work. See, it wasn't a matter of did God bring two wrong people together, you know. It wasn't a matter of backgrounds or history. Those things can all be worked together with love and respect and with loving as Christ, much as Jesus loves his church. In a second, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to sing a song, kind of reprise a song that we just did, and provide you with a chance to think through the decision that maybe God has been impressing upon you over the past few weeks. A commitment to your husband or to your wife or maybe to your future husband or wife. Maybe you're not married yet and you're saying, I want to commit myself to this, this kind of love and this kind of respect, this kind of commitment. I want to do that. And you may be single. Your commitment may be, again, to your future spouse or maybe to even other couples to encourage them in this. 
And, and what we're going to do is we're, we're, we're playing. You can sit there and, 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 and just commit yourself to it, and that's great. Sometimes some people like to do a physical expression of, of their commitment, and you would be invited to come forward if you'd like. Come forward and kneel here. Maybe you want to come forward with your spouse and say, we're just going to together commit ourselves to be together forever till death do us part. And, 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 and if you come solo, again, it's your unconditional decision. Um, that's great. If your spouse doesn't come, it doesn't mean that they don't love you and they're not committed. It just means that they're not comfortable coming forward, okay? So don't worry about that and to take it one day at a time to say, I want to make this thing better. And I'm going to invite you right now if you bow with me. Father, in a moment, um, we're going to have opportunity before you to say I'm committed to this way that you have put relationship together. And God, coming forward or not coming forward is not the issue. The issue is in the heart, and we know that. For the decisions that are being made, the commitments that are being made, I know you will bless them as they're done in your name those that are saying in some way, shape, or form from this day forward, I want to do it God's way. Lord, thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Let's sing. You're free to come on up and uh, make your commitment.